Yeah, Jeff, I'm going to have a lot of fun this coming week, and um, I'll be telling you all about it. And um, you're going you're gonna to wish you were me. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers You going to play show. golf? No. <laughs> Well, I'm Roger Fields here with my brother, Jeff Fields, and we are in Central Kentucky doing this podcast here, Recovering Pastors with No Known History of Scandal. And we like to talk about the big stuff that God has done for us rather than the little stuff we do for God. And this is an unfiltered grace of God, or at least that's what we talk about, the unfiltered grace of God in a time of mixed grace. And listener discretion is advised. We may not necessarily represent those of the views of the staff management of your local church. <gasps> oh, no. Yep, that's right. I said it. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen. By the time you hear this, when you this podcast airs, I will be in the Bahamas. Well. I will be on Paradise Island. Well, good for you. And I will be at an all... <laughs> I've never done this before, so this will be new for me. I'm an all-inclusive <laughs> resort, which means... I guess we just get to eat food until we, you know, pass out. I've never out. been on I one of those. Uh, yeah. A couple of our kids have, I yeah. think, or one or two. Yeah. Now, but I've never been on one of these so all-inclusive anyway. things. So, and so. we play, I don't know if I mentioned this on a podcast before or not, but we play skip bow a lot now. I mean, we play all the My mom got me on this show. Mom and yeah. Marty play this, and they got me, and it is a truly great game. And, um, I'm addicted to this game. Okay. A card game that, you know, two people can play, three, four, five, up to about six. I've Probably played it, but and I don't remember. I, I remember. thought maybe I had to, but I had not played it. And I used to think, well, I kind of like Uno, and I do not like Uno. And I thought, well, so I wasn't really like excited about playing it, but I, I had mom teach me, and I thought, this is pretty fun. Is and there Lord, strategy you know, involved? Or is there there is chance? some strategy. Okay. It's, it's very subtle, and you'd think when you first play, there's not strategy. Mm-hmm. But then you begin to realize there is strategy to this. Now, there's still a lot of luck involved. you got to get the cards, but they're, they're skip bow cards. I'm telling you right now, if you're out there you're, for your um, <laughs> husband or wife, get you a deck of skip bow cards and, and learn to play it. It is a blast. Yeah, I did not see that coming in this I know, podcast. I know, a, I know. I didn't realize we were going to be such a right. skip bow evangelist here. Yeah, I know, I know. One little th- quick thing, if I can. All right, go ahead. Uh, when we're t- and, and this is in the uh, the realm of competition, and um, I've got stuff on my fingers here. Is this? Hopefully that's not ink. Okay, I don't think that's ink. Anyway, um, I was watching a basketball game the other night, and I found myself thinking, I'm glad that for the most part, Christians are not as intolerant as the world is. Because watching a basketball uh, game, I know there are exceptions. Right, okay, That's right. why was I that specifically true? said, well, in this okay, game, in, right. in at least We're one round. pretty intolerant. I'm sorry. I was watching a college basketball game, and the two teams' nicknames, it was the Blue Devils and the Demon Deacons were playing against each other. Okay. And so in a day when a lot of sports teams' names are being canceled, I've not heard anyone talk about. First of all, the, oh. this the whole phrase "demon oh. deacons" is an interesting thing. Yeah. That's Wake Forest. Have you ever? Are you, are I you really thought about that. Yeah, they're, I can see where they can come up with that. They're a lot of deacons. That, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All I right. mean, it just okay. You can have and a lot they can of fun be with mean. That. They can be competitive. And and I, okay, I looked yeah. up that. That's that's several decades old. That demon deacons and and it was you know that you know and this, so we get the demon deacons against the blue devils and I'm okay with that. I have no desire well, to try to get them to right. change their team mascot nicknames it's just a sport mascot okay Let's let me relax. tell you this. I, well, I, I lived in tampa for about eight years yeah in tampa forever forever well thanks for just blowing my dog <laughs> yeah. so but the forever they wanted a baseball team and the story of them getting a baseball team is really pretty funny it yeah. is a horrific story where they built this dome stadium for a long time before they actually got a team to come you know hey so everybody's really wanting a baseball team in Tampa. And they finally get a team, and they name it the Devil Rays. And there was an uproar over that. I thought at one time they were going to have to change it, but they didn't. But Yeah, yeah. I think 
I, I hear them call the Rays all the time now. So well, I don't know. That may I don't know if it's officially changed or if they just kind of maybe they did. I I don't know. The rug. I it don't was know. a lot of people upset anyway, about the baseball team. Called but I found myself thinking that you know I'm I'm glad there's that now. Maybe there will be tomorrow. I don't know. But I'm glad for now. As far as I know, there's not been some huge nationwide move to force college teams to name yeah. their change their names away from that so that's my little well that'll never yeah that's not gonna happen here. yeah so. we don't care about it. yeah nobody's gonna push for that i don't think all right i got you know i'm always it's it comes up in different circles i run with the whole issue of free will versus predestination all right and i yeah. know the boat and i you know i'm just not totally sold on either one of the explanations but i have a statement i want to make to you is this okay? what you put on facebook I think. no i don't think i did okay I don't think I did. Anyway, the um, <laughs> if I did, I forgot about that. Could have been several days ago. I can't be expected to recall things. I'll that tell you whether that days it is ago. Or not, okay, so. Um, and so and, and and the people that believe in free will, I mean, they it's it's a big deal to them. I mean they they do not want their free will messed with. That they mm. believe and they're adamant that they chose Jesus and they can choose to walk away in the way they're still in God now in in, in Christ now is because they choose. To remain and they don't like anybody messing with that i can argue it from either side i know so. i can do all right and so there's scripture there's scripture a lot of scriptures say whosoever will and there are scriptures that say the lord um you know chose chose us predestined us before the beginning of time so here's my statement all right tell me what theologically is wrong with this statement okay god predestined me before the beginning of time to have a free will so that i would put my faith in jesus uh, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd but the idea of God to... predestining you to have a free will kind of blows up the whole dynamic because because we because we because we do not allow those to exist in the same universe. You know, so you're either one or the other. If in most camps, you're either predestination or your free will. The fact that God predestined you to have free will to make the choice. Yeah, um, well, I, okay. I mean, I maybe think I'm wrong. I, I think it's. I think that's because of the whole issue of time. You know, God is outside well, yeah, of time. Well, yeah, I totally agree. We're with that. in yeah. time, I and, agree. and we're I just agree. trying to trying I to agree. explain that. I think is is kind of a, um, and that is not what you put on Facebook. The thing you did put on Facebook about well, how you're you're done with something along the lines of you're done with yeah. arguing or whatever. And that's for the most part. There. There's times I still argue, but that, for the <laughs> most part. Uh, that, that's I just, almost I just, put a, when you put on there. So he said, if, so I if someone you're says, see that, and you're, if someone okay. says two plus two equals five, then I'll say, well, I never saw that before, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I almost put a comment about golf in there, but I didn't. Yeah. I gonna, but I, I was going right. to put it in golf a great game, and just to see yeah. what you you would put. But. All right, let me get your opinion on my, on this. Okay, and here, of course, all the time we hear about the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus never called it the Lord's Prayer, but we know what he's talking about you, our Father who art in mm-hmm. heaven, in the prayer. Have you ever thought about the fact? that I think maybe I could make a case that the prayer was just fulfilled already. That's already been answered. For us today? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's not I that so. we always say, well, it's an old covenant prayer because it was nothing like that was prayed after the cross. And there are elements that are obviously pre-cross kinds of statements. But when it says our Father who art, who art in heaven, well, he's our Father. Yeah. Okay. Um, our, thy kingdom come, it says in Colossians, that we have received a kingdom. Right. And then the kingdom um, of God is righteousness, peace, and joy right, in the Holy Spirit, right. which is obviously all our daily happened. bread. Who's Jesus? 
He is the bread of life. Okay. Yes. And forgive us our trespasses. Well, he's forgiven oh, us yeah, that. Sure. Okay. Uh, lead us not into temptation. God doesn't lead us into You're temptation. You're preaching to the grace choir here. So. Okay. And deliver us, but we have been delivered from yeah. the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. You can say it's not just that, well, it's an old covenant prayer. It's a prayer that's been answered. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. an answered prayer. Yeah. All right. Well, I just hadn't seen well, that. Well, Maybe you saw it years ago. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. I got it. The other thing that that brings to mind was, and tell me if you've ever thought of this, when he says, you know, so he's speaking to Jews that are still under the law. The old covenant's still in effect, but yet he says, when you pray, pray our Father. Mm-hmm. So I find it significant that even, you know, he's not saying, you know, someday when the new covenant comes, yeah. you'll yeah. be able to pray yeah. our Father. He's yeah. telling that now, our yeah. Father, which yeah. I think is, is pretty cool, pretty yeah. significant yeah. there. I don't know all the doctrinal ramifications of that, but all right, our Father. I have something else to get your opinion on, unless you have something else you want to jump in here uh, Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Um, and this happened at a church I attended last uh, last week, and it, in a great sermon, it was it was on Psalm eighteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we believe all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? Profitable for reproof, correction, mm-hmm. strength, man of God may be equipped and all equipped and all that. So we believe we believe in Scripture, and I would say that Psalm eighteen is Scripture. Now, it's Scripture that was said and written under the old covenant, right? So I believe you have to bring. You have to see that under the old covenant through the lens. Through the lens. You lens see, so first, cross, when yeah. he talks about righteousness, well, we know now that righteousness in on our, mm-hmm. our, our covenant comes through Jesus and his gift. Okay, but it, it but you many times get a very interesting picture of God when you read some Old Testament scriptures, particularly in the Psalms. Okay, and so you get this: is the Psalm that says, starts off, you know, I love you, O Lord, my strength. I mean, some really cool inspirational stuff in here, man. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. You know, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my mm-hmm. deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Well, that's easy to put that under the new covenant. Mm-hmm. That's a long chapter, isn't it? It's 50 verses. Yeah, okay. Now, now, if all Scripture, think, follow me here now, all Scripture um, is given to us to be able to get something out of it, to be able to use mm-hmm. it. Now, this psalm is about, you know, in my distress, in verse 6, he calls out to the Lord. Now, we think that David was writing this probably in relation to the fact that Saul was trying to throw a spear through him. He's trying to kill him. That's the little thing at okay. the beginning here. I don't, before the first verse says essentially that. That's what I, we, yeah. So that's so, the context okay. probably of this. Of this okay. Subject, okay? So, but I would say, is it only for, I mean, is it was this psalm in the Bible only if you have a king trying to throw a spear at you? I would say probably it's <laughs> well, the context may be bigger than that. Might the, be a little more the application. Yeah, yeah maybe bigger than that. So, okay. so think of it like this. Just assume with me for a moment that this could be whatever is going after you in life, whatever is, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's depression, maybe it's whatever is your enemy. Now, this in this context, in this application, rather, David's enemy was King Saul. Mm-hmm. But let's for a second broaden it out a little bit and say that we think that we can still use this as relevant in our life. So uh, he says, my distress is called upon the Lord. Now, verse 7, this gives you an, an amazing picture of God, how God acted on David's behalf. He said, the Lord, it says, that then the earth reeled. After he cried out to the Lord, mm-hmm. the earth reeled and rocked. Now, this is in the English Standard Version. The foundations of also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. He was angry because of something that's coming against you. Mm-hmm. Okay, Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Verse 8, glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. Now, this is God moving mightily on David's behalf. Okay. And so then you get down. I mean, the whole chapter is amazing. You get down to verse 14. He sent out arrows and scattered them. 
He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. In verse 15, it says, At your rebuke, O Lord, the blast of breath of your nostrils. Um, you know, and then it gets down to where how he impacted David's life. You get down to verse 29. I mean, the whole th- I could read the whole entire chapter, but I won't do that. In verse 29, it says, But, but, for by you, I run against a troop, and by my God, I can leap over a wall. In other words, this really energized David. Mm-hmm. In verse 33, uh, he made my feet like the feet of a deer and, and, and set me secure on the heights. Um, I mean, the whole thing goes on like this. Down in verse 48, you exalted me, ab- me above those who rose up against me. And I think maybe there is a place where when something is plaguing your life, to understand that God is just as much and ready to move on your behalf, however that translates into your particular circumstance, for you under this covenant as God did for David under that covenant. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think I a like lot of times we depict a God is kind of <laughs> reluctant to really answer. you like, okay, fine. You really need that. Is it really a need? I mean, we kind of make God a little bit, I mean, a lot many times, not only aloof and far Stand off, but just that. not really eager. I mean, this is a God who is absolutely just ready to move on David's behalf just because David asked him to. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me, you know, that illustration of the father and little child. I mean, you know, it just applies so many times. I mean, you think about a a father or mother, or in some situations, we even see it more as a mother, you know, hear about a mom being referred to as a mama bear. You know, you don't want to upset the mama bear, you know, and I mean, there's a this world knows a few things as wrathful as a as a mom um, defending her child yeah. and all that, and so this yeah. is a little bit along those lines that that God does care enough about us now, and and so it's against sin, against Satan. Um, I mean, not necessarily against I, another person, even though the you know the harm may come through another person, but but it's really the the, sin, the destruction of sin and and Satan and the effect of Satan in this world that he is yeah. You know, I mean, it, it me, it's got to have some application to us, I would think. I mean, we certainly believe that the first couple of verses are about us. You know, when he says, you're the horn of myself, you're my rock, my uh, fortress, my refuge. I would also, and I might go back and read this, but, you know, how this would apply to Jesus Christ himself in the cross and the resurrection. You know, there's never, a, you know, that's the ultimate time where someone was against him. So, you know, it be interesting to read this as the words of Jesus crying out to the Father, um, and all that, you know, that thing about the earth shook. You know, there was an earthquake um, at the time, the uh, the cross and the resurrection well, and all that. And so, um, you know, God did, did great deliverance no. to his king, Jesus, and showed uh, to his anointed. So uh, that's another way to look at it. I just think, okay, I'm with that. But and I just we're think in Christ, that, that, so that the, all applies to us yeah, too. So. Yeah, but I just I just like the idea that this is a clear, I mean, a graphic, I only, I only read part of it, a graphic description of a God who's just, I mean, he is all in for, you know, being for us. He's um, to work on our behalf. You know, it's the old scripture in well, old scripture in Romans where it says, "If God is uh, would not uh, would he would freely give us His Son, would He not freely give us all things?" Freely so was, give us yeah, all things. Yeah, if he, he will do that, he will <clears throat> do what I think we need. And I think it's it's okay to believe in a God like that through the yeah, gospel. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah. And so now, did I mention where I'm going to be this week? <laughs> did I mention that you're going to? Was it? Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg or no, somewhere? I, I mean, I haven't said, I haven't brought up on the podcast yet, have I? I think you did. Did I? Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be in the Bahamas. I, I'm okay. just super happy for you. I just hope you have yeah. a wonderful right, time. Y'all be thinking so, about me. Okay. So you're not right. even if you're not playing golf, I hope okay, you have I just a, want to bring it up have again. A, have okay. a wonderful time there. So. All right. 
So I just hope you get this uh, podcast uh, up in the system before you leave. So it'll yeah. Well, if I don't, out. I may not happen from there. I just I don't know what to tell you. Um, I saw I came across an article. You got time for something else here? Yeah, go ahead. An article a reader had brought to my attention, and I don't have the article here in front of me, but but it was the gist of you know the future of Christianity as as we would know. And it was an article talked about the inevitable death of Christianity. And just seeing trends in terms of, and I'm sure they were looking at it in terms of church attendance. And, Probably Christendom and like would be a better way to say it. Yeah, you know, and so, I mean, I mean, it is interesting to think about what is, you know, 10 or 20 years from now, what is the church or the congregational life and the structures and the outward structures, what's all that going to look like in 10 or 20 years here in the U.S.? You know, it's already, you know, it's changed it's different country to country, but... And so there's a sense. And so, I mean, how do, how do you respond to that? If someone, oh. you have an article about, you know, the downfall and, and the inevitability of the, this article said the inevitable death of Christianity. Well, Christianity's not dying, but but there is a possibility that the institutions, yeah. uh, the organization of Christianity is, is already taking a real beating and that's going to continue. Well, that's ever going to completely go away. I kind of doubt. Yeah, I doubt it will but, either. But um, I think people are... I mean, I should, actually, okay, there's two ways I can go on this. One is I think that the institutions are going to continue to take a beating. People are going to not see the structures as being that relevant to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're getting people to pray for them. They're learning on the, you know, just on the Internet. Social media, I think, has changed yeah. the church and how we function, how we communicate. Technology in general, including social media. Um, and so I think, you know, I had a friend of mine who runs a, and runs a small groups in a pretty large church. Um, was saying that his originally his goal was to have seventy percent of the uh, of the their congregation in small groups. <laughs> now you know what the percentage is of it's small groups of the of of the people who attend weekend services. What percentage of those of, of the church they would call their I don't know what they call their church or congregation are in small groups? Are you ready? Is it over one hundred percent? One hundred and forty percent. Yeah, because you got people that are outside. There's the a lot more people now going to small yeah. groups. And one thing I did here, and I don't agree with everything Andy Stanley says, but I think he's right about this. He said, you know, that's the one thing the world can't replicate. They can do no matter what you do in a, in a, in a Sunday service with. How matter how great your music is and your speaking and your dramas and all that, the world can always do that better. But one thing the world can't do is replicate what goes on in a small group with just a handful of people who get around, share their faith, pray for each other, and encourage each other. Okay, one little exception to that, but I, I basically right, agree with that in terms of what the world replicating is. I don't know if we've talked much about this or not. It is kind of fascinating, the whole alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous structure yeah and i know someone that's been involved in that mm-hmm. and that um you know uh dealt with alcoholism in mm-hmm. his past and has been freed from that but is now very involved in mm-hmm. in the meetings and th- that is an interesting structure because this by oh, design yeah. there is no you know it's a group thing yeah you know they don't want any one personality dominating at all and you can go anywhere in the country pretty much yeah, the same and, and find a group mm-hmm. with that and what's fascinating what this individual shared with me this just in the last few months i was in a little little uh, handful of people that he was talking about this the incredibly wide range of type of people economically that end up in a meeting yeah I mean, he said, you would be shocked. Like he was talking about someone here in Lexington. You would be shocked to see yeah. who shows up. Oh, those people that are practically homeless and they're people that are doctors. Yes, I mean, yeah. or, I mean, or very powerful people, business, yeah. politically yeah. or whatever. And so um, so that's a little different than what you're talking about. What do you remember on, on, if, if you, <clears throat> I mean, 
I don't know if you remember who Bob Beckel was, who was on Fox yeah, yeah, News. He was an alcoholic, yeah. and he, he talked about his groups that he had to go to, and yeah. it was a big deal to him. I mean, he yeah. Oh, yeah, I know for a lot of them that is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's life or death. And so that is something, you know, that I, I, I wish the doctrinal aspect would that change a little bit. You know, they, mm-hmm. I think the, 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 the teaching could uh, benefit some from identity in Christ and things like that. You know, they pretty much encourage well, folks to. Well, still probably closer to, than a lot of churches, though, honestly. Yeah. Some of the, you you know, know. That, that's kind of an interesting aspect, even though, you know they they don't encourage the new identity and encourage, right, you know, that, right. that I you know I am forever you know from here on out I am always an alcoholic and I've yeah. never dealt with that and so yeah. you know I, I don't want to talk too confidently on what you know because I don't know what that's like but anyway but even though they don't stress the identity they've still helped a lot of people because oh. of the relational aspect yeah. of it yeah. which and is it's very raw good. it's so, very honest it's yes, very authentic yes, yes and yeah it's it's been amazing I mean it's an illustration that maybe having the exact right doctrine is not the end all of everything. You know, you know, not the, it's it's important, obviously, yeah. and and that well, the truth that's free. And we've talked about that, but anyway, so. Well, hey, I love the verse. Let me get your opinion of this. You know, I just kind of you know, sometimes you, you know, you've had this experience. You know, a verse you've read a million times, but you see it again and go, oh wow, under the new covenant, under grace, it just kind of takes on new life. But you know, First John four ten, and in this is love, not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be a perpetuation for our sins. Right. And, you know, a lot of times church will emphasize, you know, well, what's your doctrine of church that will say, well, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others. You know, mm-hmm. that's our, that's our doctrine, you know? Well, that's not the guy. That, that was what Jesus said was a summation of the law. It was not a summation of the gospel. This is pre- a pretty good summation of the gospel. It's not that we love God, that he loved us and he sent his son to be a perpetuation for our sins, take care of our sins, remove them forever. I saw something just uh, earlier today. I think uh, one of my sons shared this. That um, let me see if I can find this real quick on Facebook. And and he was quoting um, pastor from um, Ireland. Um, here it is. Yeah. Um, Said so two thousand years ago, the gospel attracted the re, uh, the religious. Wait, back up here. Scratch. Start all over. Two thousand years ago, the gospel attracted the rejected and repelled the religious. How did we manage to reverse that by taking a message about his love and making it about ours? Yeah. Which is exactly what you were yeah, saying. Yeah. And so that's from a uh, Phelan Doetry in, in Ireland. Yeah. So, you know, how do we, how do we change that? You know, with the gospel attracted the rejected, repelled the religious. Now we've reversed that by taking a message about his love and making it. Well, about the ours. focus so, changed, the focus yeah. fa- changed from what God had done for us through Christ on the cross to us and our institutions, our performance, um, our religion, and that's how we. That's how all that happened. We take the focus off us again and make it on the message. Um, and I can tell you, you know, back years ago when I used to pastor my old days, you know, I, I, it was a lot of it was about we just wanted to kind of structure a church, a church where people were, you know, happy. Everybody's living for God. And it's like the church became the message. Like mm-hmm. we wanted this church to be, you know, a light in the community, and we wanted a church. To, oh, yeah. You know, anytime anybody messed up in the church, like, oh, you're messing up the whole deal now. You know, it's like <laughs> because the message. The primary message was more about our church yeah. and how great we were, how spiritual we were, how mature we were, how godly we were, whatever, not about what God has done for us in Christ. And so it's really easy to slip into that. Yeah, I mean, and that's a, really, I tell you, if you're visiting different congregations, and I'm I'm really sensitive to this, you know, 
it's easy for a church to proclaim themselves rather no. than to proclaim Christ. That verse no. in Saint Corinthians three or four says, "We proclaim Him." So right. simple. Right. We think, well, obviously we proclaim Him. Well, it's not so obvious. Well, and you hear churches talk all about what their programs and what they're oh. doing, and you go away and you okay, they're trying to get me to be impressed about them rather than they want me to be impressed about Jesus Christ. Well, and I've said I've said before, so. and I will say again, you can tell what's important to a church by looking at their foyer. Look at what's on the walls of the foyer. Yeah. If it's is it about Jesus and what he did for you, or is it about well, here's where our missions missionaries yeah. are here. Yeah. This is the picture of all of our former pastors. This is our programs, yeah. what we do. Come if from. you walk to into ninety nine percent of churches, and I have been to I've been to over forty denominations when I did kids blitz and event in churches every weekend for twenty three years, I've been to a lot of church foyers. And it's all about what they're doing. I, and I think that's a mistake. I remember you mentioned that before, but I'd forgotten about that. So I'm glad you brought that up again. That is that is kind of a very... It's telling. That, that's what they want people to know. Day, so. what, what a church puts on the walls of foyer is what, what they, they want, want to, people to know and, about their church. And to be what what they want people to be thinking about and yeah. be on the forefront yeah. of, of their they thoughts. They want you to know when that. you come in there, this is what we're about. This And they put their... Um, and that's why they have like their corners where they do, you know, they gather food and stuff, which is a great thing. You know, they yeah. donate food and stuff that they deliver to the poor, which I think is great. But it's all about their programs. There's very little of any scripture or anything about what Jesus has accomplished for us. And I think that's a big, big mistake. You got anything else? I got one little quick thing I can squeeze in here. Go ahead. We go there. Go ahead. Just the verse, you know, that the rich young ruler, when he tells what all he had done, so this stuff tells what you just talked about. And Jesus says to him, one thing you lack. And I, I read, heard a message on that a few weeks ago. I thought, boy, if that's not religion, what is? Yeah. One thing you lack, yeah. no matter how much you're doing. If right. you're trying to approach God on the basis right. of what you do for God, there's always going to be one at least thing you one lack. thing you lack. The good news is, in Jesus Christ, we are complete in him. It is finished. It's finished. But the reason Jesus could say that to the rich young rulers, because that was before the cross, before before he had paid the price for our sins. And he he wanted him to come to that realization that he needed a Savior. Right, right.